Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. We've got a different style of episode for you today. We've actually never done a group episode. Uh, We have three guests on for the conversation today. We're going to be talking about uh, all of these changes with, uh, you see, Mixer getting into the streaming game and YouTube getting into the streaming game and people are are stealing creators and it's this entire renaissance of of chaos, essentially. So we're going to be talking about that, trying to make sense of it. Um, I am joined today by Trouble Truck, Taylor is here, and Lono from Say No to Rage. Taylor, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Taylor. I'm a marketer uh, in my regular job side. I teach marketing to creators. That's why my tag is marketingforcreators.co. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor is here and uh, that's it. Nice. I'm so glad to have you. I'm really excited. To talk. Oh, my, my slogan is grow your audience and create more. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely majestic. Uh, Trouble Truck, you want to introduce yourself for us? Hi, I'm Trouble Truck. Uh, what I do depends on what week you started following me, probably. <laughs> but as of right now, I feel like what I've been doing lately is a lot of stream industry reporting and some some analysis on different things that are going on. For example, like stuff with Royale streamers or things like that, and an industry slant of the uh, industry slant. And I talk about how to get better at social media, mostly on my streams. Um, I'm decent at Twitter, I guess, and I like to try to help other people improve where they can and be not bad at posting on Twitter because most streamers are. Truth. All right, what's up, Lono? What's up? Yeah, I've uh, I've done one episode before uh, with Ash, and it was really, really fun. Uh, full-time partnered Twitch broadcaster, uh, podcaster, and like a freelance host and shoutcaster as well getting into that a little bit this year so i do a variety of podcasts actually live on the stream i'm a big proponent of repurposing your content and that's something that i'm always trying to push forward even experimented this week with a new segment idea so i've been doing that for i've been full-time partnered for four years more almost four years yeah yeah you crush it you're a content machine honestly I try, I try, I try to be. I try to maintain my sanity while also creating more content than anybody else. Like that's a, that's a, that's a goal I try to have. Maybe not the best goal, but it, uh, it's, it's part of the format and the structure for how I, I approach every week. <laughs> that's perfect. So I'm really excited to have y'all on and talk to you today about uh, all of these moves that are being made. We talked a little bit before the show, and we are going to uh, especially get into that again because that's such a uh, such an illuminating piece of the conversation. I feel like a lot of the community right now, we're focused so much on, oh my gosh, Ninja got a lot of money and he moved over to Mixer, or uh, most recently, Courage is going over to YouTube, and we think people are securing their bag and securing their stability, but there's a much bigger play here, uh, and it's that a lot of these platforms are preparing for a long con, essentially. Taylor, do you want to go ahead and just kind of explain to everyone what uh, that long con is and what these platforms are gearing up for? Um, you know, I think long con. <laughs> <That's a> con. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, you're you're looking at uh, it's kind of the same way that studios. The studio system back in the early 1900s or the mid 1900s um, had exclusive actors, and so like MGM had their actors, and Universal had their actors, and 
uh, I, you know, I think a, a lot of it is also to say that one of the thoughts about Silicon Valley was you just create a platform and then try to populate it. And now I think because these people have built these huge audiences, um, there's now more power for the creators to say, I have this specific audience, I have this specific draw, and I can produce this amount of consistent numbers. And that's attractive to a business when you can produce consistency like that. So if I'm a business, I'm going to invest in that. But I think the higher play here is you got to go a few levels up, is you go, okay, um, Xbox has their gaming subscription service. They have um, Azure, their cloud services. So if I'm a game company, I might want to use Azure cloud services that then is hooked into Xbox and all those uh, lovely, fantastic things. Google has Google cloud services and Stadia. Um, Twitch has Lumberyard and AWS. Um, you know, there's this whole ecosystem here around the games industry, which is a multi-billion dollar industry all around the world. And these companies are going, okay, we're not going to make the games themselves per se, although, you know, they're starting to bring more teams in, but we want to be the B2B company that owns that entire stack. So if you're a creator, a viewer, a business person, anything, you have something all on every step of the value ladder that you can be a part of. Uh, you know, and I think the, the big lesson here for creators is you have to know your worth, you have to know your leverage. And if I come to you with a contract, is it worth, you know, the, the loss of followers and viewers by switching platforms to make that change? Um, and does your life get better because of that? And a lot of these people have decided that the right choice for them and their careers and the stability of their careers is to take these offers. And I don't blame it for them. Right. Lono, if you were to take your like community that you've built, all of the the massive portfolio of work that you have, and if you had to think about switching platforms, what would it yeah. take for someone to convince <clears throat> you to to leave Twitch? It would probably need to be more than like money. I, I know some people are like, well, what if the check was just astronomical? And, and obviously, I I think about my two children and wife, and it's like, well, if it's, I mean, if it's like retirement size, you know, like then I mean, you'd be kind of dumb not to not to accept it. But if we think in the realm of like what's realistic, I don't think they'd be able to like write a check big enough to make me be like, well, that's all I really need is money. It would need to have, you know, there would need to be maybe layers to the contract, and I would need to think about the diversification of what I enjoy doing. Streaming is great, but I really love doing podcasting. I love doing hosting and shoutcasting, and so I would want I would want either clauses or assurances in there that I would be one of their leads for stuff like that, one of their lead hosts, lead caster. Because it growing a brand, growing as an entertainer, I think is more important long term for me than just like, I want to make a bunch of money streaming and playing video games. And I think a lot of people are looking at the people that are leaving. And we all know there's a big check with a lot of zeros behind these moves. But there's also more than likely clauses in these contracts that haven't even come to fruition yet. And I know the easiest one to predict would be Ninja with Halo getting back to his roots master chief is hidden in the like as an easter egg he's hidden in the announcement video and there's clearly going to be a big push there and so th that it would t it would take a lot because i love twitch i love the brand of twitch getting the host for twitch at e3 being a part of twitch rivals 
those were really big things I wanted to see happen for myself. And since they did, I'm kind of like, okay, I want to see that continue to happen and evolve because that allows me to do more and grow more than just sort of seeing my dollar signs go up on my stream. And that's one of the reasons I always tell people that you need to stop playing video games and start creating content because ultimately just sitting in front of a green screen and playing video games is kind of not enough anymore. This is the entertainment business. The most encouraging thing lately from Twitch for me was that at TwitchCon and with their big blog post push when they rebranded was that they addressed themselves as an entertainment platform. And I loved seeing that. I was like, it's not a gaming platform. It's an entertainment platform. And people need to take on the idea of growing as an entertainer. I I know that there's really big plays and big tournaments to win, but there's only so many people that can win the tournaments. And there's only so many people that are going to be that good anyway. So you really need to, if you're trying to grow in this market, you need to think along those lines. And for me, streaming is just sort of set for me right now. Like there's a good pattern. I know I can boot up and play and have pretty predictable rhythms. Now my mindset is how do I grow these other arms and branches of the business to be having casting and hosting opportunities? So I'm considered like a mainstay brand entertainer and not just somebody who streams video games. Because ultimately, I think in a couple of years, we're not even going to think in the same terms we're thinking now. You're not going to think of people as streamers or, or gamers. You're going to think of these people as as brands. As as we think of Ninja now, rightly, we th- we should think of him as a celebrity. I mean, he's, he's ex- mm-hmm. blown off the ceiling of what a streamer can actually be. And so if a brand came to me, the, the deal would have to be so multifaceted and so considerate about... Uh, my goals and aspirations because money's great but when i was on the 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 call with twitch about the new feature they rolled out for ads and pre-roll and all that they asked me a bunch of questions and then they summarized and said you don't sound very money motivated and i was like no i'm not i i don't look at the dollars i'm earning i don't count my pennies i'm driven by passion and creation and that w- that's what make, makes me get up in the morning if i was driven by metrics I, I think I would have gone crazy by now. The metrics are all over the place. Um, so I, I get more more satisfaction and more... I uh, feel like I'm flourishing more as a person by creating and just being driven by the passions that I have about all the different things that we can do with broadcasting and podcasting and even conversations like this. So they would... It would it would just it would take more than money and that's not that's not like an arrogant like you better come at me with a good deal it's like these are the things I want to do and money doesn't necessarily get me there. I think I for... do wish Ninja would talk about though the fact that it is also money. So in every single interview he's done or his his wife has done it's been like yeah it's about the excitement and the brand and and the the his lack of willingness to disclose that they paid him 10 million dollars or something to switch like uh, that's you know numbers floating around people like slasher 10 million a year um that's a lot of money that's a whole lot of money like like i wish that they would acknowledge that this is also part of it and it's not just a change out of the goodness of his heart or something but that's that's a a kind of different conversation i suppose well I wanted to talk about this because 
hearing Lono say what it would take for him to move, obviously everybody who's listening were like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I think a perspective that's kind of missing from that is whenever you become a successful creator and you fall into this level of financial stability, which is so much different from creators who are trying to make themselves a success right now, you know that the the money is there. And even though it's not long-term um, and it's not like sealed into a contract, um, there's still this level of emotionality towards the money that kind of gets taken away whenever you achieve that level of wealth. Um, but and so Ninja I, didn't have stability. Well, That's the thing. At, at Twitch, it could have all gone away tomorrow. He signed with Mixer because of the stability, because it is a guaranteed right, paycheck. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying is that there's a difference between, regardless of if the numbers are jumping between him having 20,000 subscribers and you know 280,000, whatever the peak was, um, there's still a level of emotionality that's taken away from the wealth once you've achieved that level of it. Yet whenever we saw Ninja announce, everyone, everyone's like, oh, he's just trying to secure the bag. We all think that it's this level of um, he's doing it strictly for stability. But based on this conversation and what we were saying before we started recording, the stability is, yes, it's great. It's really important because streaming is volatile and it sucks sometimes. However, that doesn't negate that there are bigger things at play other than just the financial side um do y'all feel like some of these creators are going to other platforms because of uh desires similar to lonos right like are people trying to go because they want to maybe develop the education side of mixer or they want to spearhead some big like new project at youtube i i I don't think it just a quick thing is is like i don't think it matters right if you're running a, a sales or an acquisition program, my objective is to find the problem you're having, and it's the same thing as doing marketing, is finding the problem you're having, identify how I can fix it to make you feel like I'm the person to solve your problem. And I think that's all they're trying to do here. I I do think that when you reach Ninja's level, the just the royalties alone from his brand deals, and he's got Nerf guns and... He's making television appearances. He's in Super Bowl commercials. I, I, I don't necessarily know. I would probably take him at his word. You know, and I've and I've met him in person. I I met him before he blew up, <laughs> and I, I he felt like just such a nice and genuine dude. I I honestly think he wasn't necessarily motivated by the check. I think it was this is going to empower me to do something that is more about relevancy and power because he became the face of Twitch and Fortnite, which was insane. I mean, Fortnite's the biggest game in the world and he becomes the face of it. He gets to go on MSNBC and then he gets to go on Ellen and then he gets to go on Jimmy Fallon. Then he's in a commercial with Peyton Manning. Like he gets to do all these things. He kind of blows the ceiling off of streaming. And then I think for him, the next step was, well, now I can become the face of a console. I can become the face of a game. He can become the face of another platform. He's the biggest streamer on um, on Mixer. Halo I think, Yeah, with, with the new Halo on the horizon. So I think for him, and even, I don't know about Shroud. I don't know how, how vocal Shroud has been about the move. But even for King Athalion, it was like, I, I can have influence. I can have power 
And I think it's harder to have that on Twitch. I think they sort of sense the pool's getting full. I'm not the big dog on the block anymore. I can go over here and be the biggest fill-in-the-blank, whether it's the biggest guy for charity or the biggest guy for Fortnite. And I, I, I do think that's the that's the line of thinking they, they probably took. I mean, I think even in Goth's announcement video... He talked about things they're going to be able to do with Microsoft and their conference yeah. and influence at a platform level. So I don't know if they're being disingenuous by not always mentioning that there was a fat check that came along with this. I, I, I think when you're that wealthy and that successful and you could kind of prop back in your chair for the next two years and barely ever do anything while streaming and still be and still be fine... I think they were I think they were probably more motivated by the power and the and the and the relevancy that's coming with this with this procedure. I mean, you saw Goth's face on like Xbox when you booted it up. I mean, that's cr- that's that's crazy. That's brand recognition like legitimizing far re- I mean, and then obviously courage going to YouTube. That's huge. I mean, it makes your right. brand very likable. Right. But from from at least from what I heard, like Shroud and Ninja and all these people went back to Twitch to give Twitch a chance to counter their offer. And if they weren't interested in the money part of it, if that wasn't a motivator, then why are you going through and giving Twitch a chance to match first? So to me, I, I don't necessarily agree that money wasn't a motivating factor in this sort of things. I don't and, think and it was I, the pri- I don't think it was the primary motivator is the point I'm making. I think the reason they may have gone back to Twitch was they like Twitch, they like their sub base, it's home, it's comfortable. If you guys can match this, I don't have a reason to leave. I don't know how much Ninja would have done that. I I heard completely different versions of his journey. It was like that he wanted to do more things outside of streaming. Twitch really didn't want him to do that, and this was empowering him to kind of spread his wings. Now, sure, Shroud and these other guys may have been like, "What do you got? What do you got?" They may have been, you know, obviously playing their playing their power. I just I I'm more making the point. I don't know if it was the primary motivator I, I, at that at their level That's of making fair. money. I don't know if it was the primary motivator. You're saying it's more of one than Ninja would make you believe in all of his statements is what I believe. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right. There's probably I, I a, wanna, oh, yeah. go for it, Taylor. I want to answer a question in chat. Is what does this mean for the long tail streamers? And I think what you have to look at is uh, for anybody who was a fan of Michael Jordan when he you know, play basketball or (laughs) baseball, um, probably more basketball, um, is you might get involved in watching basketball because of Michael Jordan. But then as you get deeper, you might find other people that are similar to Michael Jordan or people who are totally different, but you got in because of basketball. So look at these top level streamers of uh, what they're doing, what they're creating um, you know, if, if Ninja is a Fortnite streamer and you want to, you know, be a Fortnite streamer, then you're going to want to be in the long tail of that. If you are, um, you know, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. King Goliathon. Is that right? Gathalian. Gathalian. King Gathalian. If you're King Gathalian, you play Destiny and you want to be a Destiny streamer. There's a long tail of that. If, you know, one of my favorite creators, uh, the Sushi Dragon if you do crazy weird psychedelics and somebody wants to watch sushi dragon and they go, okay, I've seen enough sushi. I want to see something else in this category. Then you're going to stream off that. So for you, whatever you want to do, if one of these streamers is in the category or channel that you want to do, it's your opportunity to find yourself somewhere in the network below to attach to somebody who's looking for something similar, but different. 
And everything he just said is a factor we've been ignoring. A lot of these guys don't want to stream for the next five to ten years. They want out. It's that's even Mark Cuban touched on this. He was interviewed about esports and buying teams and why he hasn't gotten into buying a team yet. And he talked about how if you want to make it as a streamer, you got to stream eight or ten hours a day. You got to burn the candle at both ends to maintain those numbers. I mean, even Ninja, as big as he got on Twitch, just traveling, filming commercials, and making appearances and doing things for New Year's. He lost momentum on Twitch and came back to lower viewer averages and lower sub count. And people are like, oh, he's, his channel's dying. It's like his, <laughs> no. his channel would still make all of our noses bleed with what he was pulling in. And yet people are like, oh, his channel's dying. It's like, yeah, he was just in a Super Bowl commercial. I think he'll be okay. But that is an example, though, of even somebody at his level, the minute you take your foot off the pedal, you lose that momentum. And that can be that can be very mentally relationally taxing i mean he's he's newly married i've been married for 12 years and it can be very very taxing and so a lot of these guys i wouldn't be surprised if in the back of their minds as well they're thinking exit strategy this is this is such a demanding industry this would be a great way for me to do a two or three more years and then i'm good to really really coast and scale it all back yeah absolutely i think that from the the outside um whenever you don't know a ton about uh let's say like wealth and being this incredibly successful we see viewership as the end-all be-all for someone's success uh we see this person had a, has a lot of viewers that means that that directly equates to how many subs they have how much money they're making and how stable they are which is totally untrue people do that with my twitter yeah. followers and i'm not even a full-time creator yeah. So yes, I agree. in in a, a perfect system, you know, even not even in a perfect system, that's not the way that it would work because the numbers are entirely too fickle. So relying on viewership as the the end all be all for the valuation of what a streamer does uh, is just such a a for lack of better verbiage, I guess it's like a small brain expectation. Um, we did talk about how there are some bigger reasons for people making these switches um, beyond just their own personal desires. There's a lot of stuff going on with platforms and services and um, people kind of po being positioned to almost be the face of these services. Do y'all feel like with, um, let's say, Stadia and all of these other, like Google, Amazon, all their stuff that they have going on, uh, do you see streamers as kind of being the, the face of these marketing campaigns for all of these services? I mean, I would say yes. I, I think one of the easiest examples we will probably see is with Microsoft, the new Xbox, and Halo, and Ninja. I just, I see all of those stars aligning. Like, you will you will want to subscribe, and you will want to do those things and get those things from either watching him or, you know, being a, you're, they're going to, Microsoft wants you in their, in their revenue funnel, whether you're pay, paying for Game Pass or subscribing and watching Mixer or just using, using their Xbox, like buying their new Xbox. I, I just, I feel like you're going to be able to very easily see those stars align for him. 
some of the other guys it's a little harder to know like what their plans exactly would be for somebody like shroud um or and and with goth i, I think with 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 king Athalian, i think it's more tied to their growing conference which has now been which is now dubbed gcx uh i think there's there's also a push there they're going to do a full court press next year for their new console and the the services they offer are all wrapped up in that they're going to want they want people on the game pass they've been the, the game pass is just getting more and more appealing every time you look at it you get so much for their game pass and the Can more games you have three next year like to be yeah, on stage i could see him main i could see him main stage for the for the presser that yeah 100 percent. sorry go on no, yeah, I, I, I think you can. I think they bought these guys as billboards, and they're going to use them as such. Like that's that's exactly what these guys are going to be doing, and it's a symbiotic relationship. You've got a guy with a big audience and a big reach, and the guy that is interested in doing it. I mean, why would you not? I mean, that kind of brand legitimizing presence to to walk out main stage E three for Xbox and be standing next to Phil Spencer to have Phil Spencer responding to your tweets. I mean. These are these are industry, you know, stamps of legitimacy that almost nobody gets and hasn't gotten up to this point. I mean, these are these are major uh, corporations and businesses that are aligning themselves with people, with a personality. I mean, that's it's pretty interesting, and it's just the beginning. Uh, one of the points that I saw made that was really important. I don't know if you guys follow him. He's hilarious, Lance Double L Lance. Uh, he does the little Fantastic. skits. Yes, hilarious guy, very naturally uh, and comedically gifted. I love his little skits that he does. And he, he went on a rant about people switching platforms, and he said, for the first time, we're seeing platforms paying the content creators as opposed to just the viewers. You know, the, the, the actual platforms are paying these guys, and I think that's a turning of the tide. I, I don't know how much that's going to scale down to guys my size, but it would be nice to sort of see that level of, of, uh, of contract and and sort of platform appreciation happen. I don't know if it's going to, but it could very much change uh, and go into, and and Goth saw this coming too. He predicted the era of the free agent streamer about two years ago, and so it, it, it definitely came to fruition for him in spades. So it can definitely happen. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, I know you've got other stuff that you have to do with your work day. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for anyone? Um, remember... Don't be beholden to the platform. Um, example is people on YouTube, they create content on YouTube and then the ad pocket and they lose their entire revenue. Figure out the way that you can diversify yourself as a creator. Uh, and that's what these big guys are doing. Uh, you know, Ninja's going on the, this, what is it, the mass Singer. It's like he leaves streaming to go do that. He's not necessarily losing money overall. He's just transferring that to a different component so for you if you take a day off streaming or, or you take a day off content creation and you're working that's great that's fine right but figure out all those different avenues so that if um twitch has an issue with their platform or mixer has an issue with their platform or facebook you know, any of these things have a you you have somewhere to go um so keep that in mind and also keep in mind how can you play the long tail of all these huge creators? Because if you're in, you know, the not even partnership zone of 10, you know, uh, up to 75 CCVs or you're up to three, it's like, this is, this is outside baseball. Don't think you're going to be the next ninja by moving to Mixer or whatever. You got to be the first you from that movie uh, with the rock. He says, don't be the next rock, be the first you, right? 
So just make cool stuff and get your podcast going, get your videos going, get your live stream going, get your t-shirts going, get your merch going. Just create you and and everything is there to serve that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Where can everyone go to find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Taylor is here. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, I send messages about marketing every once in a while at marketingforcreators.co. And then if you want to check out my videos, I have one coming out today, I think, about selling yourself as an influencer and the things, the numbers you need uh, to present to a company to sell yourself. I think that's coming out today on my YouTube channel, which is also Taylor is here. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Taylor. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. And you can steal any of the things I talked about. Yep. Hey, bye. Stealing all of them. Bye. <laughs> okay. Taylor is no longer here. <laughs> wow. Stop. <laughs> I'm done with you. <laughs> uh, I have a really serious question, though. When is the Ninja branded Xbox? Right around when it when? finally launches. Their <laughs> yeah, launch. when is that going to happen? That's definitely happening, right? Oh yeah, I mean, well, they're launching it next year. I would figure they would if it if it's launching with Halo. Um, I would see them doing Halo combo units and then maybe Ninja combo units, maybe in game in game skins or something that, that you get that are linked to Ninja. You know, I could I could definitely I could definitely see them doing that. Uh, that would be so good. Also, where's the Say No to Rage branded uh, SM7B? Oh, the, the <laughs> SM7B. Yeah, I'll have to talk to Sure. I mean, it, they uh, they definitely have the right letters. You know, we could say, we could do something with the S, but uh, then that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I don't know if that would scale to the audience. Uh, the, the the people watching Twitch are probably not in the market for uh, for a Sure microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I, I'm curious to see what happens with Ninja's Adidas brand deal. I feel like they announced that a long time ago. We still haven't really seen much about what's going on there. And I get these sort of things take a bit of time. But I remember thinking at the time that they had a very, very odd approach to that announcement. They they basically put Ninja in a trailer like he is LeBron James or something, right? Mm -hmm. It was a very serious, like, oh, we got this real gamer here. It's like, life comes at you hard. And it's just it's a very serious, dramatic tone for someone who is generally very lighthearted and upbeat. And it felt so at odds with Ninja's entire brand. And it was, it was it seemed like Adidas taking an approach that works out for professional athletes and not really knowing how to apply that to streamers. And, and that's why I'm very curious to how well that stuff's going to sell and how that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think that also brings up an interesting question of with streamers very much being in this position of attention right now, um, having all this like earned media from um, Ninja switching over to Mixer and Courage going over to YouTube um, and people kind of like taking these new uh, live, well, new quote unquote, live streaming platforms and um, having more power and influence over them. Uh, what does advertising look like at that level because it almost seems like with ninja's adidas deal i mean advertisers are going to be spread out over all of these live streaming creators over all of these platforms and they're going to have to make decisions as far as like which platform is is best which creator is best like how does this change uh partnerships for creators 
especially if Twitch decides to to play hardball, right? <laughs> that's that's one of the big questions right now too is if Twitch decides to start playing hardball with how they accept advertisements and how they accept other things as the market leader, they can they could get away with that for quite some time unless any stronger competition than YouTube or Mixer comes up. I don't know that they necessarily do that. They haven't other than restricting exclusivity for streamers, they haven't really shown that they're they're going to, but if they say like, hey, um, you can't advertise with Ninja anymore if you also want to advertise with any of our Twitch streamers and and that could cause a pretty big uh a, a pretty big variable in that in that equation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would I would be concerned if if Twitch started to dictate like who we could work with and who we could get sponsored by. I, I think the the future of advertising in this space is still not really even discovered what's efe- what's efficient because you the beauty of what they've done is when you buy let's say you, you buy ninja and you know as microsoft that you can use his platform to promote xbox controllers and xbox you know scarlet and the new halo and the beauty there is you don't have to do any market research to know his audience is an audience that is a targeted market. You don't have to do anything to know these people are interested in what he's selling. That's where as soon as you start to leave those lanes and you get into things like Adidas, you don't know how that's going to translate to his viewing audience. If his viewing audience is of a lower age spectrum, maybe they don't have the disposable income. Maybe they don't they don't even care about Adidas jackets and shoes because they just want they're just gamers. Like that's all that matters to them. Those those sort of pivots to other markets, I think, are going to be more challenging and sort of unseen. Like, selling merchandise is not as easy, I don't think, as promoting something that's just like a very one-to-one vertical of like, oh, you're a gamer, and oh, you're playing this game, I want, I'm interested, I want to yeah. buy it. And so, with Twitch and their current is- you know issues and situation with advertising... I think they're being way too aggressive with advertising for a live broadcast, you know, environment. And if they start restricting like what we can who we can work with, which there's apparently whisperings of that's one of the reasons Ninja left that like there were certain branding opportunities and things he wanted to do that Twitch didn't want him to do. Um then that gets kind of that gets really complex because I'm a brand and I stream on Twitch and you're going to basically tell me I can't use my brand and platform to promote XYZ clothing line because maybe there's some reason that they don't want me to. Maybe there's conflict of interest or something. Got some and news for you. to a certain degree, Twitch has every right to do that. Like if, I've, if, if I'm using their platform to promote this product, it is my platform, but it's kind of theirs too. So it would be like all of a sudden... Somebody that does a show on NBC wanted to promote something that NBC doesn't want promoted on their platform. Like, yeah, sure, you have your talk show that you may that, that you run and you operate and you produce and film and make, but it's on our network and we don't want you advertising that. Like, it could start to go down that lane. They could also start sign contract deals with people where they say you you're a partnered broadcaster and if you sign on this contract deal then we're going to be sending you ad packages and we uh ad package inlays things that you put into your stream uh we were talking about that earlier today i could go to my twitch dashboard copy a browser source embedded into obs and i could have a running ad ticker or a running advertisement corner that is part of a contract i signed there's a lot of opportunities there i think for twitch to start to control it more so it's funny that you say that you'd be worried if Twitch switches to that model. Uh, there's nothing 
There's nothing set in stone yet, but I've heard a few tips that they're at least uh, toying with the idea of an approved advertiser system using metrics like partially machine learning and partially partially submissions but that they will have a process in place to say you can only advertise on our platform if you have been approved either by automated system or by whatever um and a lot of the centers around twitch getting a new um a new c-suite level person very recently and, and rumblings from that um again none of this is is set in stone yet but there are definitely conversations taking place about switching to a system that requires approving advertisers and advance because they are very scared by what's going on with with youtube right now and their changes to their approach to advertising and in fact a system like that wouldn't be weird youtube already does that it it makes uh, advertisers go through an automated process if, if not youtube it might be facebook i might be mixing those up but i know at least one of those goes through a similar process process because like how disney started cracking down on on ads on youtube and so it i would expect to see something in that vein soon i don't know how big of a deal it will be or if it actually makes much of a difference but it's something they are thinking about for sure is there a potential for a future where each platform uh has specific group of advertisers that will work exclusively with that platform so maybe streamers who are interested in working with adidas have to stream on mixer if they want to have that partnership potential in the future i mean look, i know it, that would be weird wouldn't it it, it, could well, it depends it depends because a lot of the advertisements lately have been for movies and video games and you would think yeah. they're just wanting to cast a wide net like they're not going to be like well we don't want to promote call of duty on Twitch, like they want to probably promote that everywhere, but I could see, you know, behind behind the scenes, yeah. I could see in uh, a situation where Twitch is like, well, if you advertise exclusively on our platform, we'll give you two emotes, uh, we'll we'll give you we'll give you better rates, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, if you exclusively advertise with us. I don't know why you, Twitch would necessarily want to do that because what does it really matter to them? Like if you're gonna, I guess they want the money at yeah. that point. You, that's, we want that's them what buying. You know, already happens the, orcs. the ad like plays. if if, if uh, one brand advertises for a hundred thieves, they can't also turn around and advertise for their competitor, like Shore microphones versus a Rode microphone. If if you're the sponsorship there, you can't be streaming and using the other one's product. I don't think it's that big of a leap to apply the same logic from orgs that you do to streaming platforms someday. But even org contracts are becoming outdated and unhelpful. Like a lot of people don't want to sign with orgs because they know. I mean, this was this is what happened with Tifu. You you be you be you ex. You grow beyond what the contract allows you to do, and you have companies approaching that you can't work you can't work with because, like, oh, I'm a part of Phase, and I, you know, so I can't work with you. And more and more, I, I even think 100 Thieves has actually pushed forward with this more flexible contracts for their members to be like, you can actually be with 100 Thieves and work with G Fuel instead of Monster or whatever the case may be. I, I think there's. There, because if not, a lot of these big brands are just going to go with agencies. I mean, that's why you know Ninja was no longer with an org, and Tim the Tatman won't sign with an org. Agencies are better suited for guys at that level because there's more flexibility. And orgs are are seeing that like, ooh, if we don't have that flexibility, we're not going to get some of these big, big heavy hitters. We need flexible contracts. I don't know if Twitch would basically re like go backwards in that respect and start telling their their talent that. You know, we're going to restrict you. You can only work with these brands. The brands that you've been working with, you can't work with any longer. Like, uh, yeah, you can't promote uh, that VPN service. You can't do that sponsored stream. You can't do that sponsored segment brought to you and paid for by fill-in-the-blank company. I think that would get really, really complicated. And, man, oh, man, if they go that route, I think I think it's likely to hurt more than help. 
you have an entirely more optimistic and maybe holistic view about corporate America than I do. Um, I think pointing to Tfue as an example of an of, of people not being interested in orgs is a bit of an edge case. You, I don't think you can look at the most popular Battle Royale streamer right now. I, I see where you're coming from, but I don't think that that's necessarily as prominent as that. But um, yeah. Shit, I, I I lost my lost my train of thought somewhere in that process. I'll let you know if I get it back. Um, there's something I wanted to say about how how those or oh the difference between an organ and an agency that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, especially in California, this is a big thing there. Orgs come from a background of managing esports players, right? But if you look at 100 Thieves, they don't have a Call of Duty team anymore. They're sliding out of the. They're trying to do both, right? They're trying to manage them as athletes and manage them as an agency. And if it, but when you look at stuff like phase and 100 thieves and managing people primarily as entertainers then they are an agency they're not really the distinction between loaded and between 100 thieves is is blurring more and more every single day so i'm not sure that those are two fundamentally different groups well for now they are because they would need to be licensed as agencies and then fall under regulations for agencies which they was would, yes. one of the that was one of phase's <laughs> main issues was that <laughs> yeah. they had a they had a contract with stuff in it that was like, whoa, you're functioning as an agency, and this is kind of like not allowed if you were an agency. Um, and I don't think that got that resolved was, yet, it's the thing. I, yeah, I don't even know if it did get resolved. I, I, I know that I know Tifu's an extreme example, but I do think it scales down. I think more and more you're seeing people, like once they get into a prominent position, hesitant to sign a contract with an org if it is restrictive. I think orgs are adjusting their contracts for that very reason, which is why you're able to say it, there is a blurring line. It's like you you are signing with an org that's essentially functioning like an agency they're not telling you who you have to promote and be like you can work with this company or that company like they're they're having to open up those 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 flexibility lanes because if not they're going to go with an organization that will or they would just go with an agency because then that's why again i i think a lot of people were pestering even tim the Tatman about that like why won't you go with an org and I think yeah. it was just like this is this allows me so much more freedom, and organizations have to get in front of that trend, or they'll have a harder time securing people because you 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 all of a sudden explode and win a tournament, and you're like, ah, oh, I signed a I signed a contract, I can't take any of these brand deals because I you know I'm I'm with so and so, so I. Well, yes, I think contract being the position in the first place for a lot of these people. Sure, sure. It's yeah. It's obviously an if then. It's like, well, if you didn't yeah. do this, would you even have been included in the tournament? You know, and yeah. then you all of a sudden outgrow the contract. It's like, well, this thing is yeah. really restrictive, and it doesn't scale well when you kind of blow Shinima up. Says hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there, there. Or I think I think that's one of the things I've noticed about One Hundred Thieves too and, and Nade Shot is they've been very uh, quick to adapt to the to the market. It changes really fast, and they seem to be in a position that's that's a little bit more like okay we're we're going to be more flexible because i i think they've even signed some people recently that are not restricted to the brand deals and stuff it's it's they're a lot more flexible in their contracts now right yeah and when we're we're on the subject of like contracts and exclusivity um something that's really interesting is that all of these other streaming platforms don't have exclusivity um if you stream on Mixer, you can stream to YouTube. You could even do it at the same time, to my knowledge, mm -hmm. like if you really wanted yep. to. Um, what motivation would Twitch have to have to get rid of the exclusivity clause in their partner contract? Is that ever uh, going to be something that they need? 
when the numbers on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook combine, or sorry, when the numbers on Mixer, YouTube, and Facebook combine get anywhere close to what people get on Twitch, then they might start to get concerned. But until that becomes an issue, I think I think Twitch is is what they've shown with their contracts at least as of as of late is that they know they're the top dog right now and they they don't feel pressured to to change too much and adapt to that yet. So it's th- it's a response of when pressure gets put on them from one way or the other. Do you think they don't feel pressure? I think they feel some pressure, but I don't think they're worried about it just yet. They're starting to react now, but with the ninja move, they didn't seem like they they cared too much. I think it was the was the shroud move that caused them to sweat a little bit. That was the oh, this is a trend, not just a one off. And and like once the pressure came from from loaded specifically loaded is what I keep hearing. Um, I think that is where the pressure comes, but I'm not sure how much. Uh, they're going to respond to it. They have not been very quick to respond to to market changes in the past. That's why I'm I'm skeptical that they will make any kind of rapid response. Right. Uh, Go ahead. Well, and also, yeah, you also have to consider that like the other platforms might start to feel like we don't want our people to stream on your platform either. Like they they're not going to want they're especially the ones they're buying right they're not going to want ninja to be able to stream anywhere because that that hurts their exclusivity if you can continue to watch ninja on twitch then that completely decimates their 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 brand deal with him i mean so i would think it would start to cut both ways because if if you let me stream on mixer mixer might not like that either they might not like me sort of just like cluttering up their ingest servers in their directories with like a stream that I'm barely paying attention to because I'm more firmly rooted in Twitch and vice versa, right? If if you've got people streaming on Mixer with decent sized audiences suddenly being like, oh yeah, I'm also on Twitch, but you know, because generally speaking, the reason that this, 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 this breaks down is because someone's going to have their flag more firmly planted somewhere else. So if I could suddenly stream everywhere, I obviously would be like, if you really want to be a part of the conversation or when I do question and answer, I have a bot that'll take a question from the chat and it'll throw it into a a, a form for me that I read right on stream. I'm going to tell people, if you want to take part in Q&A, you're going to have to come over here to Twitch. And the other platforms are not going to like that. They're not going to want... This is a shared pain like it's a it's a symbiotic pain everybody would feel it at that point like you have everybody streaming on all platforms but trying to pull audience members over and this is why uh suggested video algorithms on youtube are always changing because uh tristan harris sits before congress and basically says 70 percent of youtube's viewership comes from recommendations and they want people to basically just sit in a recommendation carousel all day if your videos are sort of like they run a report and they're seen to be driving people away from YouTube, they stop suggesting your videos and recommending your videos because you are taking people out of that carousel. So I had links in my YouTube videos that would say, hey, I'm probably live right now. If you like this video, come check me out live on Twitch. And suddenly all of my recommendation numbers plummeted because they made an update to the site. So I no longer do that because it's like I would rather my videos on YouTube be getting decent exposure and decent clicks and 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 views and I, 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 my channel is still not doing that great in the realm of recommendations on YouTube because more than likely my channel pings people right to my, my, to my Twitch. They come to watch the daily video. They're like, oh, it's pretty good. And then they end up going over to my Twitch channel. So YouTube's like, oh, a lot of this guy's audience literally only watches him and leaves. So a, a lot of these platforms are going to start to take that attitude of we want people here all day and 
that w- the recommendation debacle with Ninja, where they were recommending other channels on his now no longer active Twitch channel because he went to Mixer, and then somebody was streaming pornography, and it was the number one of the number one channels in the Fortnite directory, and it got thrown into that rotator. So if you came to Ninja's channel, that was one of the recommended channels. It was a big fiasco, and the former VP of marketing or something or operations, one of the guys who used to work for Twitch weighed in on it. And he said, one of the leakiest pieces of Twitch is when someone shuts down, they, all those people just disperse and don't continue watching Twitch. And that's a huge fundamental problem of brand loyalty, kind of corrupting viewer retention. It's like, they're so loyal to say no to rage or so loyal to any size streamer that they basically only watch that streamer. And because they're trying to keep people constantly on the platforms, I would think multi-streaming, like brand ag- like platform agnostic content creators that are just like everywhere, like you can watch me anywhere. I don't think the platforms are really going to want that to ever get a foothold because it, it grates against everything they're trying to do. They want you on their platform all day if they can have it. And do we, do we know that people are that loyal yet? The stuff I was hearing is that the the I, I don't know how true this is, but that the mixer numbers are kind of lower than people expected for Ninja at the very least. So that that could be the case where people are more more loyal to the streamer than the platform. But as of right now, it sounds like they if people go over, they go over to watch Ninja on Mixer and then just come right back to to Twitch after the stream's done and aren't filtering out at anything else. Right. I think I was more speaking to the brand loyalty of when a certain person goes live and shuts down, those people like stop engaging with the platform. And because that's a pain point of the platforms, I don't think they want to compound that pain point by gotcha. all of a sudden, if I'm streaming on Twitch and Mixer, I'm potentially pulling Mixer viewers away from Mixer. They're like, oh, who's this guy streaming Destiny all of a sudden? Oh, say no to rage. Oh, he wants me to come over to Twitch to take part in his Q&A. And if you take that and you scale it into the thousands of streamers doing that, a lot of the platforms are going to be like, we don't want that going on. We don't want you pulling viewers from Mixer just because your channel's over here with like 50 viewers. Because it is, again, it's a challenge that these platforms are facing is keeping people on the platform beyond just when Ninja's live. That's probably a noticeable problem. When he's streaming Fortnite, I bet you when he shuts down, the person in second place or whoever he raids, their viewer retention from his raid or whatever, it's got to be, it's it's always so fast. It's like, yay, and then 20 minutes later, everybody's gone. <laughs> that's like all raids, you know. to be fair. But, right, yeah. and that's because of brand loyalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if we go, if we go with the theory that... Um, platforms actually might start building exclusivity into their contracts more um especially with these people who have been acquired recently uh is there a potential that this is sort of like a bubble that's going to burst in two or three years when these contracts are over um is courage and and ninja and shroud and everyone else who's lucky enough to be offered one of these opportunities uh going to be re-signing an exclusive contract um for the same dollar amount or is this kind of something that they're doing just to to move viewers around and shift people around for the time being to Twitch thinks Shroud will be back. 
they think in two years Shroud will be returning, two to three years. I can't remember exactly which one it was. But when he left out the door, Twitch was like, that's why you saw the the video that they posted on Twitter that was like, hey, remember all these happy memories with Shroud? But part of that was them looking at how they handled the ninja thing and, and thought they did really bad there. But like based on what I've heard, they, they fully expect Shroud to be back in two years. Now, whether that happens or whether Shroud's on board, I have no idea. But that's what they're looking at there. But if you look at what Ninja has been doing with Twitch, he's pretty much tossed Twitch under the bus, which, hey, they showed porn on his channel. Um, <laughs> uh, he has kind of been less less agreeable to going back to Twitch. And I do think that it, it, related to that question, Ninja's lack of public willingness to talk about going back to Twitch is going to hurt him in negotiations for the future. Because then Mixer can look and say, like, hey, we can we can offer you less of a dollar amount to stay because what other choice do you have at this point? And um, it's already happened in the past that Mixer has gone back on those other deals and offered them a lower amount. Uh, Renee has talked about this publicly. Um, Microsoft did not offer her as much money to stick around on Mixer after they got Ninja whenever it came time to renew her contract. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like I've made the analogy before. Whenever the cell phone industry first started, and you got a cell phone, they gave you everything. And then once they got you hooked on a cell phone, and you came back to renew, they were like, "Well, no, the car charger is not free this time, and the case isn't free this time because now we've got you. You like and need your cell phone." And yeah. similarly, like if you are basically now moved over to Mixer, it's going to be really painful to move back, and then you're going to have to kind of go through the oh, now you're back, you know, and then and then obviously. You know, you you might not have as much power then because maybe you're streaming less, maybe you're doing other things. I, I I do think a lot of these guys are looking at it, it. This is a short. I think this is a short-term game plan for a lot of them. It, it is yeah. largely motivated by exit strategy. They they're they don't want to stream forever. They're making plans for the future. They're diversifying. They have other goals outside of the broadcasting environment, and this is a really really great way to propel that. And so. Shroud coming back to Twitch, that, you know, I could see that happening. A lot of these other people, I, I could definitely see them, as you're saying, getting a lower offer in the next, you know, in the next time around. Yeah. But by then, they might be okay with that. You know, they might be, again, on that downward, I'm, I'm getting ready to be done with this anyway kind of an attitude. Yeah. Is my, my big curiosity is, is Twitch going to start approaching all of their partners and basically trying to secure not just their loyalty with respect to like you're not allowed to stream anywhere else because you're a partner but we want you to stay here for the next two years like i this was my next question they are they are oh okay i could sense you going there go Uh, ahead go ahead and then frame the question for us then well go for it essentially i i think twitch needs to ask if they want that level of exclusivity from everyone on their platform um mid-level creators partners yes i i think that that's incredibly important but also uh what about affiliates would we see like exclusivity for affiliates yeah nah that not at that level i don't i don't think i don't think so i think that's a that, that that's a management nightmare like logistically um they they automated affiliates because the partner application process was getting overrun, basically. I mean, they were constantly rejecting people that had no business applying, uh, and they were constantly having to deal with even the people in the mid-tier that were maybe close to partnership just obsessing over it. And so they they basically, let's just automatically partner anybody at these thresholds. It's a very, very easy revenue funnel because then all of a sudden they're getting at least some bits uh, and some subs. The, the number of affiliates, I think, would be an actual 
technological maybe even like it would be so difficult logistically Mm -hmm. to say let's get all these people into an exclusivity contract and then you got to make sure they're actually doing it like for first i'll admit whenever i was doing the rageless roundtable podcast on monday nights there were times where i was having that video hit youtube the next morning which i'm actually not supposed to do so now i i play by the rules yeah it doesn't it doesn't hit youtube for 24 hours i I play by the rules and i didn't but i didn't realize that i didn't realize that even an x even an export is supposed to wait uh, a 24-hour period so you know i abide by those rules now but i can't imagine trying to manage even something like that at the scale of how many affiliates there are i would think maybe they would start with their top five percent partner earners like Mm -hmm. like they're going to just probably look at sub count would be what i think that they would look at like just look at sub count take your top five percent partners and start approaching them with potential contract offers to say we want you to stay on twitch you can keep earning at the rate you're earning on your revenue split on subs and your ad revenue uh and we would we would like you to stay and it'll come with who knows what maybe a revenue guarantee maybe a yearly or or monthly uh stipend for that and then you are not allowed you basically can't leave then that could come with brand restrictions too we don't want you to promote these products we're going to be feeding you ad packages and ad inlays for your stream because that's another avenue that i don't think twitch has even explored yet about saying we have all these partners that are now in contract and we have ad inlays on their channel so there's always some form of advertising running that's not disrupting the broadcast but it's just present and and on screen you say you say would that that is happening right now if you i guess if you believe and trust slasher which i do he's saying that like one of his recent tweets says all of loaded client nearly all of loaded clients are in current negotiations with other streamer platforms mostly mixer or have already signed deals to stay at twitch so i don't think it's this hypothetical future thing that's going on twitch is locking in their creators to to long-term deals because of this stuff so so i think it's less of a here's what could happen or here's what's going to happen it's a this is going on right now behind the scenes well and that that to me is likely being fostered and and handled by those by the agency i i'm more thinking hypothetically because i i I love slasher like i i was i was i was like getting ready to mention that but i'm thinking of twitch initiating it and actually reaching out on their own and saying you land in this spectrum of partner we would like you to be loyal to the to the platform exclusive to the platform for the next two years or whatever um i definitely think the big the real real big guys with good representation are already getting that uh maybe i should talk to my agent i don't know like like, could you you reach out to twitch and uh and give me a nice contract i don't know if that's if that's the move for me right now but I would I would be interested if Twitch initiates it and like on their own initiative reaches out and says we want you you fall into this spectrum and we want you to stay here here's the offer I I I, I think it would be difficult without a middleman you know without the agency because who's who's gonna who's gonna take that workload on like that's a lot of streamers yeah what do you think that it would take to create like a mutually beneficial type of um, exclusion for Twitch partners. What do you mean? Well, I it I don't like saying it this way, but it would just take good regular income, you know, because I, I, I think that's one of the things that, that has frustrated me for four and a half years is that diversification isn't just hard. It's financially painful. Uh, so it's like I go into other directories, try other games, try new content out. And it, it's it hurts. You lose you lose viewers, you lose money, you lose subs. So if. 
I think that's one of the things that could really fuel a lot more experimentation and a lot more people trying out new content ideas and 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 leaning into more of being like I want to be more about entertainment and not just always streaming the same game. Diversification I think would be good for the platform in general. Everybody gets locked into one one sort of lane and they just kind of stay there. How many people could be more entertaining in other lanes and other games and I know for my myself personally I have like four or five content ideas I will not pull the trigger on because it would take so much work and effort and energy. And in the process of all of that, I am just actively losing metrics, momentum and money. And it's like that's 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 almost impossible to do unless you're just super passionate about the project. It's it's really difficult to look at all those those demotivators and just do it anyway. And if I was in a nice if I was in a nice nice contract that said you know what if my metrics suffer a little bit it's okay you know i can experiment a little bit the problem there is is twitch gonna want to do that (laughs) is is twitch gonna want to pay me money to basically generate less money like because they know that people would probably stream a little less aggressively if they were to do something like that what would take to change that is a fundamental change in the principles of capitalism well i think it's (laughs) it's another it's another opportunity for people creating monetization that isn't reliant on a platform, right? So, like, why would creators rather take a, a basic income for being a Twitch partner, essentially, versus just creating some kind of, like, product, service, whatever they want that can switch platforms with them, that can um, make them money from any content that they produce, right? Security mm-hmm. is nice, I will say. Um, yeah, that would be... Yeah, that would that would fall into the lane of like creating premium content and then using what like a a platform like Patreon or something where you say I'm creating this content and the risk and the ROI is more measurable because it it is literally the demand of the product is generating the revenue. So it would be like, "Oh, is this actually doing well real easy how many people are paying for it you know it's like youtube's hard because you could be like was that a good video or not well i don't know the search algorithms and the recommendation algorithms may have just given your video the finger even though it's a great video right but if you're creating something that has a more one-to-one value transmission where somebody could say i like this podcast i want the premium version and then they pay the money you know on, on patreon or something then it would be a little bit more liberating to say, oh, this is a really, really good avenue for me to invest in. I'm going to keep creating this certain piece of content. I think the challenge on Twitch is that the the medium is the game, right? The catalyst for the entertainment is the game. And when the games come out, if you're not one of the old hat Justin TV streamers, it's almost impossible to leverage that catalyst for exposure and growth. So you're generally just doing it for the fun of it or the heck of it or that because you really love the new game because uh, the platform is just completely just dictated and dominated by volume. So creating your own off Twitch revenue streams that have that elasticity to go with you anywhere, I think would be so, oh, just so challenging. I, how getting people just to buy like a T-shirt that looks cool and that I'm wearing on stream, just doing that is difficult because they have to leave the platform. They're spending money somewhere else. It's for something they may not be interested in. Uh, tying it to content I, gets interesting. I would be, I would yeah. love to see other other models or other experiments people have run that would that would be here are the pros cons and here are the the methods of doing it effectively. I would consider like my ebook an experiment in exactly that, and it has been very successful. 
Uh, and I think if there was like a Lono ebook or some kind of like online evergreen video course or just videos, like whatever that looks like, I think that you could sell that on literally every single platform that you have. And I, I'm guarantee you, your community would buy it. They'd buy the shit yeah, but, out of it. They would like. <laughs> see, that's you Maybe. just said you guarantee, and, and the problem with that is your guarantee means a lot less than a a consistent paycheck from Twitch. As a Shelb said in chat, basically, there is a big difference between thinking it's going to work out and hoping something works out and getting a consistent income, a consistent thing. And platforms aren't going exclusive. to exclusive. You can do, but both. they they. They are, though. I'm saying if Twitch comes to you and says we're going to pay you a monthly salary, essentially, to stream on our platform, they're going to lock you up a little bit. You can sell an ebook, obviously, but when we're talking about expanding to other platforms to to make content there, they don't they don't pay for not getting exclusivity. I don't think that these streamers have enough leverage to um, to make that a a real thing. Hmm. I think that's the biggest thing we don't have is like what he said is the leverage. I think when you become as big as some of these other guys are, you do have leverage. You yeah. you have so much size and reach yeah. that where where you go matters. And for me, I think the challenge would be Twitch would say take you or leave you. We don't need we don't need you on the platform. You could stop streaming tomorrow and we would barely feel it, you know, and for me to say, oh, but if but but if I had a contract and regular income, I could experiment as a content creator. They'd probably look at it and be like, yeah, that's great. We're liberating you to to hurt your metrics and sub base, so we're paying you, and we're losing money on your revenue generation. It's like in that Arrested Development episode where they take a dollar and they throw a banana away. It's like you're getting hurt. You're getting hurt from both ends. And I I don't I don't think Twitch would want to do that. I would love it if they would do that if they've if their valuation of my presence and brand was that high. I would love that, but I'm being realistic. I just don't think that they would. I could see them. I could see them securing the contracts for people at my size and sweetening the deal or something, maybe mm. bonuses for sub-thresholds or something, um, and maybe I get premium treatment on the bounty board and ad packages so I can make more money on top of you know what I'm making now, but I I don't know. I don't see a world where they're where they're scaling it down to my size. You know, hundred and fifty thousand followers, six to eight hundred viewer averages. Like I, I've I've got a healthy channel and a good size channel, but I, I just don't see it scaling down to me. You got to be, I think, in the upper echelons with representation to secure contracts like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are these platforms? And this is a this is kind of a side subject here that just popped into my mind um and this will be like the last topic that we really go on before we we end this conversation and move on to other things for the day but is the next move for these platforms after securing whatever top talent they can get their hands on um do you think that they're going to come in and just sweep mid-level creators just grab them by chunks Oh, like Mixer come in and grab people because I would consider myself to be sort of like a mid tier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do they grab you, uh, Ashney? You and um, Luno? Do, do they grab you too? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like do they, 50 do they of gr- us in a package? <laughs> yeah, right. Do they do they grab partners in the fifth in the five hundred to a thousand viewer averages? I would say that's a good like mid tier level. Um, I don't know, and the reason that I don't know if they would want to do that is because at that point you're buying viewers, you're not buying billboards. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, 
the ROI there would be oh, that'd be razor thin because you're going to spend all that money to get those people to move and you know their audience is not going to come with them in total and you you're disrupting an ecosystem on Twitch would make which would make a lot of people feel pretty sour and maybe even less likely to come like if you just started buying up people in droves that might make it even harder for the audiences to come because right now it's like oh ninja left oh that person left but if like a swath if there's like an exodus I wonder if the viewer the viewer migration would be diminished because people would start to feel like you are literally cannibalizing Twitch and I love Twitch I'm not coming over there I, I wonder if there if there could be a negative if there could be a negative effect in doing that and you're really just buying viewers at that point I'm not big enough nobody my size is big enough to really have that impact now again from a marketing standpoint if they're considering us little billboards and they're like well we buy all these little billboards and we scale it all down and we pay these guys to play halo and promote the controller and blah 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 they might say no that's good roi we're spending a junk ton of money this next year to promote all of our new products our game pass our xbox our halo microsoft might say no this is a huge investment get them all i i think that's a little less likely than buying big big banner-sized leviathan streamers to sit at the top of directories to sort of be the the spotlight i i think that's more likely to be happening it's also a logistical nightmare like the the amount of overhead and amount of paperwork and amount of of work that would go into signing each one of these people because you can't just sign them all as a package it's not like this middle chunk of streamers is all represented by an agency or anything like that so you have to go with each of them individually to work out the the details of that contract instead of just you know getting them all in this in this hypothetical chunk yeah yeah and i mean there's some suggestions in chat that like mixer's gonna get like 20 of our top 100 and then maybe 100 of our top 1000 i mean maybe maybe they're trying to build that infrastructure of like here's our top directory streamers here's some here's a good number of like maybe more mid-tier streamers i don't know maybe if i was a mixer streamer i would be concerned about that because all you're all you're actually doing is just doing community migration. I don't know how much that trickles down to the rest of the people on the platform. So you're just dwarfed by people that just show up and are sort of automatically higher than you because they're more established and likely getting promotional deals to like be on rotators and front page and stuff to get viewer inflation. And so if if I was a mixer streamer, I'd be concerned if I started seeing that happening. It's like, ugh, like it'd be cool if maybe growth patterns could take place for the next 12 months and I had an opportunity to have some upward mobility because if they just start scooping up mid-tiers, you're going to get drowned if you're not a if you're not a prominent streamer on Mixer right now. And it's not the same headline, too, to look at it from a slightly different angle. Like, mm-hmm. no offense, Ashney, you're not going to show up on CNN if Mixer signs you, right? Oh, the right. same way a Shroud or a Dr. Disrespect or a or a Ninja would. And that's what, what Mixer is going for, at least right now as well, is these, these the, the pop, the, the Twitter blowing up because people get signed, right? Because mm-hmm. even, even Goth got Twitter to blow up whenever he, he announced, or Courage broke the damn internet the day he signed, right? So it's that level of press that they're looking for, and you don't get that when it's, hey, 20 of these mid-tier streamers all went at once. Like, there's a little murmur, but that's not going to have the same pop. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to consider is, if these offers start to come across the desk, people at my size, the consideration would be... Am I just being used as a 
one year to two year marketing plan from Microsoft and then that's mm-hmm. the end. I'm no longer worth anything to them in two years and I've damaged my brand and my momentum to be used as a billboard, yeah. a little billboard. <laughs> and then once their marketing push is done and their Xboxes are in saturation and they don't need me anymore, well, that's not very good because I'm suddenly like Doc even touched on this. I think Doc disrespects says you better have a, a, a brand that is versatile, diverse, and marketable because as soon as Mixer's done with you, hopefully you had a lot of great growth over there because you're you're there now. Like that that's essentially what I think why I think these guys at this size it makes sense for them because they're like, well, I might I might be done streaming in a couple of years, three to four years, you know? Somebody my size is like, I need to do this for a while. I need to have other lanes growing as well. And it'd be it'd be pretty damaging if in two years Somebody my size goes to Mixer, and once that Xbox is kind of done being marketed and they don't really need me, they're like, yeah, we don't need to sign you in a contract anymore, so do whatever you want. It'd, right. it'd be it'd be easy to suddenly be devalued uh, that fast if you, if you move. with Renee, for one. Um, though, though, I don't know. I, th- I think... Um of course, brands are going to try to to use you, right? I, I think that just about anybody is going to take that mentality. But but you are right in that you're you're likely not going to get the same offer you got now in two years when they're when they're done with it. But also these these mid sized streamers, um, I guess I don't know. It, w- it would be interesting to see how willing Twitch would be to to negotiate back at the mid size, right? Say you get an offer from Mixer as someone uh, like like y'all size. Would you go to Twitch and say, hey, I'm getting this money from Microsoft. Do you want to do something about it, basically? Do you think they'd be willing to play ball, or do you think they'd just let you go? Oh, yeah, uh, I don't... I, I don't... Uh, this, I, don't I, think think I think they'd let you go, personally. Yeah, I think they would, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I, they have I'd enough s- people to replace you right now with two and a half million active viewers. Mm-hmm. It's a lot mm-hmm. easier to to fill that mid size hole than it is to fill a shroud shaped hole, basically. Yes. And uh, somebody posed this question to me a couple of days ago. They're like, well, why wouldn't you just try to get an offer when your agency sent that email? Why wouldn't you try to get a really good offer and then come to Twitch and say, these guys are offering me this thing. What, do, what are you guys going to offer me? And I said, that is incredibly risky because Twitch could shrug their shoulders at me and be like, so the frick what? You go ahead and go. We don't care. You're not at a you're not at a level where we need to keep you. Well, now what have I done? They call my bluff and I don't leave. And now they're like, now I'm on like potentially like a list of like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he he, he was going to leave, but we didn't offer him any money. And now I'm kind of like stuck in this limbo phase of like, well, they kind of called my bluff. I don't really want to go to those other platforms, but I was just trying to use those platforms to get money from Twitch. Like that would be really risky to do because if it, Twitch less shrugs so than you, other industries, at least the, the difference between. So like if for a typical employer, right, say another company offers you money to go to them. And when you go to your employer, they can fire you, at least in Texas. And that will stay. They can fire you for what any reason so the, the the what makes it less risky for something like twitch is you are an independent contractor they have not shown in the past that they're going to terminate your partnership over that and so as long as you have that partnership in place now now the risk comes from they won't be willing to offer you a contract in the future for that reason for a type of value so there is that but it's less of a risk factor than like a traditional work environment pulling that same move and uh, right. to me it sounds like it would be Maybe not for for someone at all size, but it, it seems like it's something that people at a, of a bigger size should be should be trying because Twitch, uh, the retaliation that Twitch could do isn't super effective yet. Yeah, yeah, I would, I, I've, I think in my case it was a little it was a little different too because like I really wanted to do hosting at E3 with Twitch. It was like a specific thing I wanted to do. That's fair. And then it, okay. 
Right, and then it happened. It's like I don't really want it. I like this. We, I've got like a happy little home here, not just in my stream, like, but in extensions of things and efforts that I had. For somebody else, I mean, I could imagine them saying, "I, you know, Mixer made a good offer. I'm going," you know, because the market's volatile and 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 Twitches, Twitches not really set out a clear path for like what the future holds for the brand, other than. A lot of I, I was encouraged, but it was also very generic, like what they said at TwitchCon. It's like, where, where, what are you guys doing with the platform? What, mm-hmm. what's, what's my vision as a as a partner? What's, what's the vision cast here? What should I kind of envision happening for me as a partner for the next couple of years? Because th- if that if that's cloudy and murky, I think that's when it's easy for people to start to kind of become like, well, I, I can become disloyal to the platform. I don't even know what they're doing for me, and. I don't necessarily think that's a threat to Twitch, but I do think that can create a a problem with respect to sort of the in I guess like the vibe that word gets used maybe a little bit too much, but sort of the feeling in the culture. As I said, if a bunch of people suddenly got bought by Mixer, if a lot of people start to feel like, man, Twitch really isn't doing anything that's good for the mid-tier streamer, you start to have a lot of those people leaving. I don't think it's a it's a tremendous monetary loss for Twitch. But it can start to feel like, and nobody really likes streaming here. What's going on? Like there, there, there needs to be a uh, a confidence boost, a morale boost. You know, you don't want to lose that. Everybody's having fun and loving each other vibe. That is one of the charms of Twitch. When you show up, is it, it's like a community, and I think that's why people are all kind of like everybody's looking at each other. Like, what's going on? Are you leaving? Are you leaving? Like everybody's kind of wondering what the future holds for loyalty uh, to Twitch. Right. Yeah, that's going to depend a lot on viewer loyalty. I think for a long time with Twitch, like owning as much of this market as they have for for years and years, and now these other players coming in and trying to to get a piece of that. Um, I think the question becomes like, are viewers still going to be uh, still going to have that romanticized view of what Twitch is, or are we going to open up to the idea that we have favorite creators on Mixer and on Twitch and on YouTube, and that we can jump between the platforms and support those people regardless of our love for the platform? Does our loyalty lie with platforms, or does it lie with creators? Yeah, that's what we'll find out. <laughs> Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Uh, it might be a while before we find that out, but that's what we will eventually find out. And someone's not going to be happy with the answer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Trouble Truck, do you have any closing thoughts before we leave? Uh, no, not, not too much to add. I feel like I'm generally pretty good at, at forcing myself into conversations whenever I have a point to make. So <laughs> all that I'm good. Um, I think that... This has been interesting. As I think I have a f- fundamentally more cynical view on money and its effects on people and, and capitalism in general. And you all have a more holistic view about, about other alternate motives and, and things like that. And you all are more trusting of companies where I'm not. And so it's been an interesting conversation to see uh, where those lines might meet. Yeah. It's always cool to get multiple viewpoints for sure. Yeah. Uh, where can everyone go to find you? Uh, Trouble Truck on Twitch, on Twitter, on I mean, mostly those two, I guess. I'm, oh, YouTube. Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, all .com slash Trouble Truck. I don't know if you want me to spam those links in the chat or not. but Go for it. All right. I guess I will do that. Um, my name is spelled exactly how it sounds, which is one of my favorite parts of it. There's no, <laughs> there's no trickery in, in trying to figure out how to find this. Awesome. Lono, do you have any closing thoughts for us? 
I think the biggest takeaway for streamers should be more than ever now is the time to do everything you can to establish yourself and grow as a brand and an entertainer and stop thinking so one dimensionally about streaming video games because the more you diversify what you can do and what you offer the more ready you're going to be for these changes when they happen if you decide to switch to another platform if a platform approaches you if you approach an agency if you get to a point where you want to have that representation you want to have as much sort of diversification lanes established and and your brand established like what are what are you actually bringing to the table as an entertainer instead of the sort of very very simplistic idea of well here are my metrics this is my reach this that's not generally what they're looking for anymore they want marketable brands they want marketable personalities and if you can figure that out even if your metrics are lower than somebody else you might actually be more appealing as as a as a brand as a stream as an entertainer than somebody who has way more metrics than you but there's there's nothing else there that's all they are they are a person who drives a number on a stream and the more i look at how quickly the the landscape is changing and the the opportunities there are for people that own that idea the more ideas i get about just how much i want to change with what i do on my own stream and the content i create and just diversification outside of streaming so at every at every turn when you're going live when you're creating content you should be asking those questions what am i doing to sort of drive my brand and and what i do as an entertainer further forward i we get so metric focused i'm preaching to myself here i just <laughs> i'm always so scared to pull the trigger on things cuz i know how much those things hurt my metrics and this morning one of the one of the things i was talking to my stream about is i think sometimes we need to take on the mentality that this effort and this creating this content, this segment or this show is not about growing my sub count or my view count. It's about expanding and growing my portfolio. What do you offer as a brand? What do you offer as a personality and an entertainer? And if you can create that sort of repertoire portfolio to, to put before either a company, a brand you want to work with, or maybe Mixer does start looking for streamers and they do start looking for people they want to scoop up. Maybe YouTube does because you know, people are saying YouTube's like a sleeping giant. They could suddenly emerge as a very good streaming platform because they kind of haven't up until now. Yeah. You can approach a brand like that with a very holistic, this is everything I bring to the table, as opposed to just, I, I stream this game and here are my metrics and my sub count. I, you're going to blend in. You are, you are white noise at that point. And... I'm trying to do everything I can to not be that, and I think if more people take that attitude in the next couple of years, you are going to be in a better position to market and leverage yourself as opposed to just sort of trying to market and leverage your numbers. I love all of that. The two like perspective shifts that I think are incredibly important here are, one, your stream is a tool in your portfolio. It's not the entirety of your portfolio. And two, the game is a positioning tool inside of that piece of your portfolio. So it's not the end-all be-all of who you are and what your brand is. Your brand is so much bigger than the games you play. And in order for you to be stable in the future, I, yes, that's a, a perfect, perfect ending note. Uh, where can everyone go to find you? 
It's just basically say no to rage everywhere, whether you look on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, say no to rage. And I and I go by Lono. I don't go by rage or say no to rage. Say no to rage is just the brand name. I, I just go by Lono anytime I'm on hosting desks or, uh, or podcasts. 